tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Resurrection Mary, Little Girl Lost, Victor Herrera, and Viet Pilot's Daughter. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Christo, you got something you want to talk about or bring up? Yeah, I have a disgusting mystery that I might need your help getting to the bottom of. Prior to recording, you described it as a gross mystery, but I see it's been upgraded to disgusting. So let's see. Yeah, it's it's also unsettling because it is a mystery. So let me let me tell you and the listeners what's going on. I, I need some buy-in from you before we before I start describing what happened. Okay. Um, you would describe my house as not disgusting, correct? I, uh, I wouldn't have slept there uh, a couple of nights when we did our live episode um, if if I didn't. So a couple of things I want to I want to set up the mystery with a little bit. Here. I'm sorry that almost sounded um, like the most minimalistic endorsement I could have gave. On, your house is very clean, Crystal. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. I mean, we we try our best to not leave food out. Occasionally, the errant pot or whatever gets left in the sink for a day, but you know we're normal people. Um, but let me. You're talking yes. to a guy who had to hurriedly clean off his his desk before he showed you <laughs> what it well, you said like. you didn't want me to see something embarrassing which i just assumed were like too many cat toys or something yeah yeah i got i got you sorry i've i've did i've i've <laughs> I've, I've delayed you from your mystery long enough okay yeah so i want i want to set up for for the listeners but also for you what what the situation I walked into this morning as I was leaving for work. Okay. Um, so we have a, uh, it's not the room that I'm recording in right now. I'm recording in the back room of the house, which is the den. Now we have a separate room, which is ostensibly the dining room, but it's just kind of called the front room. And uh, nobody, nobody spends any time in there except the cat. Um, so the cat stuff is in there, which might be the source of the mystery, but I'm dubious. Uh, I also want to add that our housekeeper came last week and did a pretty deep clean on top of us already keeping things pretty clean. Mm. Um, we uh, don't leave food out except for the cat food, which also doesn't seem to be the source of the mystery. So I'm very confused. And also the cat box is uh, also recently cleaned is in the front room okay. near all the other cats items. So the front room is the cat room, but we but we keep it pretty tidy and we're on we're on top of the cat box situation. Yeah. So imagine my surprise as I go to put my shoes on this morning. Oh god. I have a little basket of shoes by the front door. Yeah. And I notice some squirmy, wiggly little white things on the ground. Oh wow. On the floor by the door. Um, and I was like, what the fuck? And then like, and to my slow horror, I realized they are scattered all over the front room. Now the floor isn't covered or anything. There's just a little sprinkling here and there. Yeah. Um, and then they find a couple more in the kitchen and, uh, I was like, I, I gotta, we, I gotta sweep this up. What if they like make it into our food or something? Because it was clearly maggots. Wow. Okay. I don't 
so immediately I'm like, let me check the cat food. Yeah. Are they in the cat food? Not in the cat food. I, I, I put my hand in there. I moved the cat food around. Didn't see anything crawling around. Yeah. I checked the cat box. Now, admittedly, I did not put my hand in there uh-huh. and move things around, but I didn't see anything infestatious, disturbing other than what you would normally find in a cat box. On top of that, kitty litter is designed to kind of keep pests out. If I understand it correctly, it's mostly salt based. Okay. So I don't know why there were maggots all over our floor. I think I have gotten all of them at this point. Yeah. Um, my last thought was maybe I'd purchased some lemons recently, like within the last three days and they were in a fruit bowl, but also in a bag. They were still in their lemon bag Okay. near the area so I got home from work and I'm like, oh, did was there just like one maggoty lemon I didn't notice when I bought brought it home from the store? No, the lemons are perfectly fine. Um, we don't like I said, we don't leave food out. The trash had been taken out recently. Um, I took it out again once I put the maggots in it, but I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Well, uh, it's like they it's like they spontaneously generated or something. How many corpses do you have stored away in your house? Um. Oh shit! You know what? <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that guy <laughs> yeah you, oh, that, that's that's where i would first check um oh you know what i hadn't thought about that yeah right yeah well mystery solved i'll have to get rid of uh i have to find a new storage area right right for yeah. the uh no, for, for sure the, you know what but for sure because mm-hmm. well i mean magnet maggots i mean they um they eat like uh, they eat uh, rotting flesh, right? And, uh, what, mm-hmm. what else do they? Yeah, eat? rotting flesh, rotting food, rotting just rotting food in general. Okay, uh, yeah. so so that yeah, I guess, but that, mostly meat. But yeah, right? m- most yeah, I always yeah, that's what I always assume. Like mostly like uh, uh, rotting meat, like um, uh. Uh, I guess, uh, if I recall correctly, like Civil War surgeons discovered that mm-hmm. if they uh, if they allowed uh, maggots to consume, like uh, you know, when they got some really grisly cases, and you know, the people got like all sorts of you know gross infections, and their you know limbs are rotting or whatever, that if they just let the the maggot instead of get removing the maggots immediately if they let them go to work because mm-hmm. maggots don't eat mm-hmm. li- living flesh though they, they would right. very effectively get rid of the infected parts of the uh of the body um yeah but so i mean it's uh yeah i mean that that makes sense yeah i mean it, like it's just you know maggots of course are more sanitary than just you know, people with dirty hands uh, <laughs> and dirty instruments working their way uh, to, to mm-hmm. town. Um, yeah, I, I realized this was before germ theory. Right. Yeah. It's really prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, um, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm totally at a loss. I even went outside and I was like, is there a dead rat? Did they crawl up the walls? Like, okay. Yeah. Some sort outside, of dead animal. Yeah, any, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see, I didn't smell anything. I didn't see any sign of anything. Um, you know, I looked at the cat's butthole. I'm like, did the cat, is the cat okay? <laughs> yeah. Cat's butthole is okay. He hasn't, nobody's been scooting. Dog and the cat haven't been scooting or uh, right. focused on their buttholes. 
Um, when the, you know, I was like, well, maybe this is a pinworm situation, but they were very definitely maggots. Right. Yeah. Very definitely. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, de- definitely the sort of stuff that comes out of like rotting food, not, uh, yes. yeah. So, okay. Then, yes. yeah. So, I mean, it has to be, as you said, I mean, they had to be coming from like some source then that, that yeah. Uh, uh, oh boy. Uh, and man, I would find that so gross. Like, <sighs> It was horrifying. It was horrifying. That, in on top of like the fresh hell I have to come home to with two pets and living in like a subtropical uh, environment. Anyway, I mean, I can't. I can't even. I cannot even tell you between work and my house how many dead cockroaches I've picked up. Uh, I could yeah. tell you, but it's like you can't. You can't do anything about it. It's not like my work is dirty. It can't be. We have health department. <laughs> Go to, you know, it just happens. They come up through the pipes and in the sewers, and like yeah. you can't do anything about it. You can keep your house absolutely spotless. I, but the funny thing is about Googling the maggot situation. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's maggots in my house. Why? Because first I was like, are these termite larvae? Oh, because yeah. that would make more sense, right? Yeah. That would make more sense. But then I, but they were like, how to determine maggots versus termite, termite lar- larvae. Or larvae, <laughs> larvae, uh, and uh, it was very definitely maggots. So the termite thing could have. We've been moving a lot of stuff out of the attic. I live in an old house. Termite larvae would have made perfect sense, but yeah. this was definitely like fly-producing maggots, and I do not have an explanation for it whatsoever. There's no, there's no dead bird or anything out in the driveway. There's nothing. Mm. I don't know. Unless I'm just I'm just so sick of like everything being disgusting all the time. I'm like in a battle against filth and disgust. So when I Googled why are there maggots in my house, they were like, um, well, maybe you should just clean up all the animal feces and take your trash out. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's not what's going on in my home. The, uh, the Internet, First of is, all. the Internet is like shaming you on like, like yeah, they're it, like, you're disgusting. Yeah, because you have maggots in your house. I'm like, I feel disgusting. <laughs> I you you shouldn't feel disgusting. I, I mean, I, I think like you're I mean, you're a very clean person, I think much more so than I, I am by nature. Um. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're a dirty person, but. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I mean, on, you know, like, it's, it's on a, a relative, relative terms. I mean, yeah, obviously I'm not like, uh, you know, I, 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 I'd say I'm on the cleaned end of the spectrum, but certainly, um, uh, you're, you're more clean than I am. And, uh, I, I suspect, I mean, obviously the, you mentioned the difference in climate. Um, I, I assume that, yeah, when you live in a big city like Los Angeles and mm-hmm. the sort of con- like environment that Los Angeles is in, you're going to encounter weird, st- you know, stuff like this. Like, I mean, you mentioned cockroaches. I fairly certain that I have never seen a cockroach in, in my life. Other than, I but no, I believe it. I yeah. I never saw one the entire time I lived in Reno. Yeah, I, I guess not once. I guess it's just like it's so yeah. dry out here that it's not really the the best. Um, yeah, I would say in the the temperature swings are too extreme. Even though they like cockroaches, like will survive anything. They have their preferences. Yeah, of where they thrive, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, it's, it gets too hot and it gets too cold. 
in northern Nevada. I actually did finally see a cockroach in Reno, but it was when I came back to visit, like after I'd moved. I saw one. Oh, okay. And I was like, huh. <laughs> How about that? Um, but You're yeah, a far it's just foot it's, away from home, little fella. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's just incessant with the the bugginess and the. Um, I mean, I've heard from longtime Angelinos though that it's been the bugginess has been really bad lately. Oh, I mean, our mosquito problem is out of control. Like people who've lived here forever be like, we never had mosquitoes like this, and. I mean, cockroaches are just a fact of life in a big city. What are you going to do? They live in the sewers, like, you know. Um, And then, yeah, but the maggot thing was really, this was, like, very new. Weird, um, weird, weird. We have just just spent at least 12 and a half minutes completely grossing out our audience. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Halloween, everybody. So, so are you suggesting that they'd much rather listen to um, an episode about season six, episode 15 of Unsolved Mysteries? I think they would much rather listen to us talk about season six, episode 15 of Unsolved Mysteries. One thing I noticed about this episode was before any of the segments... Um, Robert Stack, uh, he introduced it, uh, that it was Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, Christo, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Um, Day. I'm having a bourbon to celebrate and also to uh, chase the horrors of the day out of my brain. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah. Weird, though, that literally none of these... None of these stories have to do with anything romantic. Well, I guess the I don't know. I guess the first one could be they, taken as sort of a yeah. They kind of they kind of try to they try to yeah they they try to shoehorn the first one into yeah. into it. But it's also and, like when they do a I Christmas mean, episode and it's like here is a guy who was murdered in front of a Christmas tree. It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's the connection we got. Yeah, I. Um, uh, I, so I suppose this one isn't the biggest of stretches by, by, by Unsolved Mysteries own history, but yeah, our first segment's about Resurrection Mary. Yeah. Um, That's what that Pearl Jam song is about, right? Uh, um, the crickets. I, I'm not sure if I ever, I'm not sure if I ever mentioned it. Did I ever tell you that? Like I didn't own my first album until I was 17 or 18. Um, you have mentioned it. You also I famously only attended your first live concert. What about three years ago? It was pre COVID, right? It's smashing pumpkins. Yeah. Pre COVID. Yeah. But it was right before COVID. Um, wasn't so it? It was 2019. Yes. Yes. Well, wow. I, I believe it Amazing. was in fact, the summer of 2019. Yeah. Amazing. Um, my mental picture of concerts was always that, like the mu- like the music coming out of these giant speakers would just rupture my eardrums. But mm-hmm. in all honesty, st- stand- uh, sitting up where I was in the the, the seats further up, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it, it wasn't too loud at all. It was great, but <laughs> yeah, I um, that's great. I'm more like I have permanent hearing damage because as a <laughs> young person i was trying to get as close as i could to the stage because i needed to feel it in my chest and uh let me Uh, tell you kids from the future and i know a lot of you are already onto this uh put those earplugs in 
do it. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're a freak like me, you just put the earplugs in. No one's going to make fun of you. They're just going to think, wow, you're really smart and you care about your hearing in the future. You know, I, I often reflect back. Uh, I think my, my past and, um, operating various artillery pieces is, is probably going to come back to haunt me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, but if, but if th- Connor that's remembers all in the, past. the uh, Pearl Jam song Resurrection Mary or Crazy Mary, as most people know it, go ahead and drop okay. a little in. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm just trying totally. to shoehorn some Pearl Jam into our podcast. It's what's happening. That- I, I I wish I was in a better condition to be able to to assist you with that, but um, Pearl Jam, I I know the name, and and that's it. I'm not well, not really. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm sorry, but Rami, um, what do you think your favorite band or type of music is, given this information? Well, um, it's a bit odd. Because, I mean, if you ask me for, like, favorite band, and we go off, like, a measurable criteria, like, the number of albums I own, and, and you know, whatnot. I, I mean, obviously, like, uh, well, the, the most albums I own from a band are the Smashing Pumpkins. But, like, I mean, is it necessarily my favorite band if it's more like it was it was a band that was liked by someone who who i, I cared for and they're no, no longer with us uh is is i mean is that is that more of um it's more about that person maybe than necessarily the music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh though i do enjoy i do enjoy several of their their songs but um uh i don't know, i'd say the the, the music i I enjoy the most. I mean, like ninety-five plus percent of my musical purchases have been instrumental movie soundtracks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, throughout throughout the course of my life, maybe you know, I I really dug the uh, the Braveheart soundtrack. Yeah, that's um, a that's a banger for sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so along those lines, yeah. Um, how about how about yourself? I oh man, that's like that's like pick your favorite child. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I get it. I that's fu- that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I just uh, I I'm a big time music freak. Um, I know this isn't about Resurrection Mary <laughs> directly, uh, but well, there will be a. Big swing and band scene later in the segment, so maybe we can talk yeah. in there. But uh, yeah, I uh, I have an uncanny ability. If I've heard a song a couple of times, um, mm-hmm. I can generally recognize. There's even a game on the internet. It's called Hurdle. Um, so if okay. I if I haven't, and it gives you like a couple of notes, and you guess the song. If I've never heard Ooh. the song before and it's not in the database of my brain, like it's not, I'm not going to be able to guess. But if I've heard it a couple of times, I will be able to like finish the song in my brain and therefore be able to guess like who sang it <clears throat> and what, what the name of the song is. And, and then like recently I was kind of tested at work. Um, we were listening to music and then someone put on Give Me the Night. Now, 
I was like, oh, yeah, that's a George Benson song. Now, I think I kind of blew my employers away with that poll. Uh, you know, I wish I wish this was a marketable skill. That <laughs> 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 I, I have yeah, like I incredible mean- music recollection, like incredible. If I've heard it a couple of times, it's in there. It's in there. If I've never heard it, I, you know, then that's a different story. You know, you can't recall something well, you've never heard before. But well, sh- well, I mean, that would work great if we were in some sort of Masters of the Universe uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you ever saw the live action uh, film of that with uh, starring Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. You know, and then this is your skill that you have. <laughs> uh, uh, bringing up movies that are relevant to the current <laughs> topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no just you uh, have a, you have a, I think you ha- you're more visually oriented. Whereas you're more audibly, aud- much more audi- audi- audibly. Yeah. 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 I can't, I don't even so, recognize people's faces. Like that's just not <laughs> something I do. But if I, if I hear a voice in a cartoon, I'll be like, Oh, that's this actor. Like, like really good recollection. Nobody cares probably about this. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I imagine there's probably like some weirdo who listens to us who's like uh-huh. hearing all this is like, oh great. Like I can like put both Crystal and Robert into some sort of like robot like um thing that I'm designing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And between them they'll have yeah. like perfect recollection of audio and visual. Yeah. Uh, do you think you think it's probably most likely Purple Worm that's making this robot, right? I think he's most <laughs> likely to build a robot of all the fans we've been in contact with. I suppose, yeah, if you had to press me on on who to guess, like uh, I, I guess he would be the one that I'd. I mean, mostly by by the contents of his 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 shelves with all the neat stuff on them. I, mm. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe we got someone who's more robotic in our audience, uh, more of a roboticist in our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, hey, if you're a roboticist, what's <laughs> <laughs> up on Twitter? We're, we're, Tell me yeah. about your crazy, crazy mad designs uh, for the future. That'd be great. We're, we should probably we're, talk we're, about the cemetery, though. <laughs> Seven minutes later. <laughs> Resurrection Mary, uh, you know, and this this segment st- uh, starts out with sort of an example of an encounter with her, where this cabbie picks up a woman, mm-hmm. uh, or no, wait, wait, it was it a cabbie? Or was it, it was just someone who maybe he was lost and he needed directions, mm-hmm. or he could have been a cabbie who, who needed that anyway. And he, he he picks he picks her up and he's like, hey, yo, I'm if you can direct me to wherever, I'll give you a lift for free. And so, uh, she, she, uh, she gets in and she, she steers him, uh, in the direction he needs to go, but then she has him stop at the cemetery and he's mm. like, what, why are you stopping at the cemetery? And then like, she, she walks, she, she disappears. She's gone. She, he's mm-hmm. like, what? And, and he realizes, uh, you know, this, this, this forehead goes, grows cold and, is, is starts to shiver and he realizes he's just the latest person who's had an encounter with resurrection Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have you, have you heard of resurrection Mary before? 
Um, only when we watched this segment at your house years ago on the ghosts TVD collection. That was the only other time. Have you outside of Unsolved Mysteries? I haven't. Well, um, I'm I feel like it's one of those uh it, it's it's kind of maybe one of those ghost um uh, stories that I I have encountered at least maybe stuff that w- is based off it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's at least two, I can think of, um, episodes of, are you afraid of the dark? That kind of mm, get yes. different sorts of inspiration from it. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, one that is actually like, it's a kind of really sweet, uh, um, episode of that show. And it has this one, ending and it makes me feel a little bittersweet when i watch it maybe tear up a little uh but anyway uh so yeah resurrection mary she's um ghost of this uh poor gal who just sort of wanders around the uh whatever section of outer chicago this may be Mm -hmm. and people have all sorts of encounters with her we got a really fun, as as you alluded to, big band scene. So they're they're playing, I don't know, Glenn Miller or Benny Goodman or someone, mm-hmm. and this uh, you know young man gets to dance with this uh, this 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 lovely dame, and you know he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, and, and uh, he's like, hey, I want to walk you home, and uh, or rather drive. They drive, and you know she's a little quiet on the ride back, and. Of course, when they pass by the cemetery, she's like, stop, stop. And we get this this reenactment of her walking into the cemetery and, you know, sort of vanishing uh, as a ghost would. Mm-hmm. And I really like how Unsolved Mysteries editorial, like, depict, um, description of this is, um, you know, like, because this, this young man, he, he sees... He sees this girl he was dancing with and giving a ride home to, and he sees her just sort of fade out, uh, right? You know, just vanish right before his eyes. Like you have to to think it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how Unsolved Mysteries was like said something like he was perplexed but willing to forgive this unusual disappearance. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, well that's that's mighty. Um, uh, that's mighty, uh, uh, nice of him to be willing to forgive, uh, the girl he was dancing with for being a ghost. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to hold it against her that she disappeared in the graveyard. Uh, and then they, I guess she visited the house of Mary's mother who mm-hmm. has some sort of European, uh, accent. So, uh, I guess Mary was a second generation American. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the mother's like, she died years ago. And for some reason, you know, because Unsolved Mysteries mentions that, well, naturally he sort of, you know, stopped pursuing his, his interest. And I was like, that's so strange. Like, you know, okay, he sees her disappear in the graveyard. And it was like, Oh, that's unusual, but I got to track that dame down. But then, mm-hmm. like, he visits the house, and the mom's like, she died years ago. He's like, oh. He's like, well, of course, if <laughs> if she disappeared and she's a ghost, she will have died. I, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure what his uh, what, what what sort of conflicting things uh, he was. Well, was it was you he, know she could have been astral projecting. Oh damn, Crystal! That that's pretty good. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, I guess I guess um, I guess that you know that would be a uh, a route he could be pursuing. And, and if that was the case, he could still look forward to like. Uh, fairly conventional uh, relationship with uh, with Mary. I don't know. I, I, I think like you know, like pursuing the, the love of a ghost is kind of romantic in a way. But mm-hmm. anyway, we, we yeah, we get like yet another segment. You know, th- th- this is sort of like a sampling of different encounters over different time periods. Mm-hmm. Um, they we we like one of them is just like three friends are out driving and they pass like a gal all in white. Cause that's what Mary always wears. Mm-hmm. And she's walking along. I think she's right by the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And as they pass her, they describe like she seemed to be radiating out light. Mm-hmm. And once they could see her face, once that they had pulled ahead of her, uh, it just was just like a, a blank black, um, mm void and so they they had to turn around and of course you know she was gone so uh you know like they give us the usual spiel like oh i wouldn't normally believe in this stuff but we saw the ghost so it Mm -hmm. had to be you know uh so it's it's you know we gotta i think i think resurrection mary is kind of just like part of the reason i i I enjoy this particular ghost tale so much is uh Mm -hmm. you know it's not really like She's not a scary ghost. She's just kind of sad, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't know. Maybe she's just all the all these times where she's getting rides and whatnot. She's just, you know, she wants to get out of the the house or in this case the grave uh, every mm-hmm. so often. And you gotta you gotta uh, step out of the grave sometimes. Put your makeup on. Get out of your yeah, grave. Yeah. I mean, she she probably actually has a more active social life than I do. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, it sounds like she's really putting herself out there, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> uh, and there's a couple of things about this. First of all, I don't like that it's named Resurrection Cemetery. <laughs> I don't like that one bit. The implications um, are a little unnerving, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, two, yeah. the pun Resurrection Cemetery was right there. No one took it. Three, oh. uh, if you were go, this is the this is the thing. This is the this is the core of the thing. My entire thing, the hill I will mm-hmm. die on. Um, if you're a ghost, like people get really freaked out by cemeteries, and like, oh, it's ghosts, it's haunted. If you're a ghost, are you gonna haunt the place where your body is, or are you gonna haunt the place where you were like spent the most time or enjoyed right. yourself? You know. I we've years ago we did a uh, this is before we started doing uh, horror movies for our Halloween episode yeah and we we shared oh. some ghost stories or I shared a ghost story I don't remember if you had one or not because you know I just I didn't really the have a I proper one I just you I just, just ate a lot of candy about. yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, we're not doing that again because the doctors put the kibosh on that for you this year. So sorry, listeners. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I've had interesting experiences. I'm not willing to call them ghost encounters, but things I cannot explain. And they made sense to me because they were in places where, where a living person would have spent a lot of their time, uh, mm-hmm. like a workplace or a home. So that makes sense to me. But why would anyone be haunting a cemetery? Like, that's just where you end up at the end. It's like, that doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. It does seem like the interest level for most most people to hang out there, uh, if, if they're ghosts, would be pretty low, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, un- unless you're like, like the Renona Ryder character from Beetlejuice, uh, yeah. you know, and you're all into that stuff. Like yeah. I, you're, you're legitimately interested in cemeteries when you're alive. You're just, I don't, yeah, I, you make a very yeah. good point. I just, um, that's the thing for me, but I also, I think you're right. This, this resurrection Mary story, I, I've heard it told so many different times. Mm-hmm. Like there's a woman walking on the road, the cab driver picks up, picks her up you know, he's talking to her when he turns around to like let her out at her destination. She's no longer there, etc. Like I've heard yeah. this story a million times and I have to assume it all comes from this ostensibly urban legend. Right. So I, that, that's my conjecture. I mean, cause the, I haven't, my, my hesitation when you first asked me that was cause I haven't really, you know, seen too much resurrection, Mary direct reference stuff and media, but I feel like it, it's it's the legend's been around around so long that it, it's managed to help inspire so much stuff that it's just it's out there in the public consciousness in in much the way yeah. that yeah uh, yeah I, I mean, mean the, the first but, story that they tell in this uh well, at least they harken back to in this segment is from 1939 right that was a long right, time ago exactly. Uh, sure and they they even have some video of him talking about his experience. I think he's he had passed before this episode aired about the guy who danced, but it was just mm-hmm. he had recorded it for someone. I don't know. It's interesting, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know that there's any real. It's just cool and spooky, and I'm glad we're covering it in the month of October. And I don't know why <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> jammed it into Toast. a Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> well uh i you know i think like after our our next segments um yeah it, I won't, i'm not saying that it will it, it's a decision that will, that will ever make sense but it'll make less unsense uh with each new segment we go to and why they're included in this special valentine's day <laughs> edition of unsolved mysteries did you just uh, say less unsense Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go back in time to uh, 1989. Pumpkin Spice Podcast is a place where all spooky podcasts come to live. 
In the Pumpkin Spice podcast feed, you'll hear episodes about all sorts of horror movies and TV shows. And just like the Pumpkin Spice Latte, it's available all year round, but only promoted during the autumn season. So go subscribe to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, where we showcase all sorts of horror podcasts. That's Pumpkin Spice Podcast, part of the Bridgeburner Collective, and available wherever you get your podcasts. Robert Stack has maybe even a more awkward segue into this segment than I think we have on most of ours, which is he's he's standing in front of a landline telephone. Obviously, there's not cell phones back then. Yes. And he says, you know, most of us are content to uh, visit with our friends and family on the telephone these days. It's like, well, yeah, dude, most of us have been... Uh, content to do that for the last 50 or so years. I don't know what the these days is even in 1991, two, three. No, we're in 1993 at this point. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. You do <laughs> because make a what good was point. the alternative yeah, the, for the, most people alive in 1993? The telegram? <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I think you make a good point. I, I feel like telephones and keeping in touch with your family via them had been an ongoing thing for decades prior to yeah. this segment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with most people alive in 1993 have been not online, but on the phone for a long time. So that was weird. It, it was very strange. When was the first time you sent an email? It was in high school. Okay. An email? So no, like late, late. An, an actual email. Not being in a chat room because I was in the chat room as well before I was sending emails. I didn't have anyone to send emails to, so yeah, likewise, maybe eighth grade, maybe like eighth grade. And okay. again, and what was my? I didn't have any business con- to conduct. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? I mean, well, well, yeah. We, I mean, online became uh, like it uh, became an option for us in the mid to late nineties for a lot of us. Yeah. I, I saw a, a delightful a little uh, – someone drew this cartoon or whatever, and it was sort of um, contrasting the how we felt in the mid-'90s to compare to how we felt today. Yeah. And it shows it shows a person getting – in the 90s, uh, like the same person, like getting a letter and being like, huh, well, whatever, and then yeah. getting an email and being really excited about it. And then, of course, in contemporary times, it shows the person receiving an email and having the the him ha you know whatever reaction, but then getting an actual letter and being excited. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> here's feel, you yeah. know, it's it's so interesting. Dave and I were just having my husband. I'm married. Yeah, I brag about it. Um, we had a conversation <laughs> just the other night about how it is still n- now because all email traffic is either marketing or work related. Like how nice it is to actually get an email from a friend. There's still a joy in it. I think, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like I do. I do get excited when I see, uh, I have some friends that are, they get on the email. They've, uh, I have one friend. I'll just call her out. Maybe she's listening. She's just a really thoughtful, um, and great person. Her name's Robin and she will just drop a thoughtful email down for like the girl group. And it's just like, Oh, I really like that. I'm terrible at it, but I, 
I, I love getting an email from her. It's just like, that's so nice. You know, it's the yeah. same thrill of uh, getting a letter, you know? Right. It's, you know, yeah. someone took the time to write, write something to you. Yeah. But it's, but only it, from like, f- like friends. Uh, Cause <laughs> I was just talking today at work. I've only been at my job since late January and my Gmail inbox has almost 16,000 emails in it Jesus. of company traffic. And we, I won't get into all of that, but I was telling my boss about that. And he's like, good. I like that. I'm like, do you understand what it is? For someone to get 16,000 emails of tra- just back and forth traffic. It's not actionable. It's not like, hey, Crystal, do this. But it's uh, to have to have uh, even been momentarily aware of 16,000 emails in nine months. That's, that's a depressingly large number of emails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure very. Oh, my God. Um, he's like well i have a hundred thousand i'm like yeah well this is your business and you've been running it for 14 years at my current rate (laughs) i'm gonna exceed that shit (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) exponential growth yeah i don't know he's like i like that i like that i'm like i don't like that that's crazy town um but listen let's talk about the phone (laughs) We need to get we need to we need to get the show back back on track and back on the phone. Yeah. Let's get on the um, phone. To Robert telephones. Stack's point, he's like, but you know, we're content. We're always happy to get a call from friends and loved one. Oh God, no. If you call me, I'll fucking throw my phone across the room. No one call me ever. I hate that. Don't call me. <laughs> Send me a nice email. I much prefer that. But anyway, you know, he says we're so content noted. to get a phone call and um, great, but it's not great when it's tragedy about a loved one. And so we enter, uh, talking about Selena Eden. And, uh, so the story with Selena here is that, um, she was just, a, she just marched to her own beat, but she was a real go getter. And first she thought she was going to join the air force after high school. And then she decided to become a journeyman construction worker in San Francisco and uh, she joined the Teamsters. And then finally, she bought a motorcycle. Uh, and uh, tragically, she got in a terrible motorcycle accident. I don't know if that's tragic or just completely expected. Don't, why are people riding motorcycles? It's just a death wish. But, um, and I she would got never this, ride a motorcycle. Yeah, I would never either. Oh my God, no. Um, so on November 29th, 1989, she's, she's on her way home from her Teamsters meeting. <laughs> which kind of rules. Um, and uh, she gets, she gets smooshed on her bike and um, she, you know, she uh, loses her paperwork. <laughs> That's the word they used. I don't know. She loses her paperwork, identifying who she is um, in the course of the accident, which le- leads me to believe, well, the EMTs in trying to stabilize her and save her life didn't think to pick up her shit. And take it with her to the hospital. So she goes to the hospital and she's filed as a Jane Doe. Um, a week later, finally, they track down her family who's in San Diego. Um, but, you know, Ser- Selena's in a coma for six weeks. Um, she had a lot of friends in San Francisco, though, that were kind of like, you know, looking out for her. 
Um, she finally comes out of her coma and her family's there, according to the reenactment. But she's just, she's, you know, she's had a traumatic brain injury. And as these things go, she's lost a lot of her memory. Um, mm-hmm. Her friends say, you know, she kind of lost her personality and she had a lot of recovery to do physically as well. But she was very childlike. Um, so she ends up uh, moving back in with her mother um, to do her recovery. And uh, she, you know, in her frustration, Selena really wanted to, you know, fast track her physical therapy and recovery probably faster than she was able to do so. Um and her mom said, you know, often Selena got very frustrated and could be very mean um, because she was just couldn't remember things. And, she, you know, you know, you know, yeah. y'all know, y'all know how this goes. We all know. Yeah. Um, so. Anyway. Um, after a while, Selena's getting better and um, she decides that she's really sick of being at home. And so in May of 1990, she goes back to San Francisco and we're getting a lot of the story from her mom and brother, but we're also getting all the story from her friends. Now, listen, I, I want to be very, I want to be very fucking delicate about how I put this. Okay. Yes. It is very obvious to me that unsolved mysteries is for the sake of being on network television completely tiptoeing around an area of Selena's Mm -hmm. life that perhaps in the early nineties was not polite or acceptable to talk about on television. Mm -hmm. And I mean, let's, let's add up the facts about what we know right now. Okay. Yeah. Left high school to join the air force ends up becoming a journeyman construction worker. Then, uh, buys a motorcycle. Then all of her friends, uh, clearly belong to a certain community that was generally acceptable in San Francisco, but not at a lot of other places in the eighties and nineties. And I'm just kind of, kind of like leave it at that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I observe this as well. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, it, it is sort of fascinating to look back at television three decades ago Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I get uh, similar feelings when I watch um, the show Cena Warrior Princess. Uh huh. I'm, like, I'm like, hmm, her traveling companion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I yeah. see. Well, I mean, it, 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 but that was the joke even back in the 90s about Xena. That was the joke oh, yeah, everyone no, no, knew. For- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, they had a sketch where uh, Brendan Fraser uh, 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 involving that very uh, the very trope on SNL. Um, But uh, yeah, no, it's just it was. I mean, it's interesting to watch '90s television and sort of see the the transition the transition where you know starts to become acceptable, and but there's, I mean. The, the, the use of euphemisms and allegory is still there, but then, you know, it's, it's all, it's very, it's very fascinating um, to see it yeah. all sort of unfold. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really left unsaid in this segment. Yeah. And yeah. so 
the last we hear of Selena is that she calls her mom back in San Diego and says, you know, don't be surprised if you don't hear from me in a month or two. Um, and Clarissa, her mom says, just please come home. You're not well, you know, mm-hmm. and Selena says, I'll, I'll be calling you soon. And that was it. And so Selena's friend, Tracy, who we think might be the last to have seen Selena in San Francisco, Selena tells her friend, Tracy, um, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going to the Midwest. Tracy doesn't recall exactly where, but basically Selena bails out of San Francisco with some, with a woman <clears throat> that she doesn't <clears throat> seem to know very well. <laughs> um, yeah. so the family hires a PI, the PI ends up going, um, all through San Francisco, finding out that she, that Selena was last spot in San Francisco's Tenderloin district. Listen, if you've been there, you know what the, I, I haven't been to the Tenderloin in years. I haven't been to San Francisco in years, but as Dave Chappelle said, there ain't nothing tender about that shit. So there especially was not in the early nineties. Let's just say that not a place you wanted to um, end up, especially if you're suffering from a traumatic brain injury. And um, so the, so the PI is kind of exhausted his search, um, you know, Selena's friends and family want to find her. Uh, uh, I guess in New Year's Eve, 1991, a year after Selena disappeared, she left a garbled message on, on uh, her friend's answering machine. And that's the last anybody's heard of her. What I forgot to mention at the beginning of the segment, though, is that Robert Stack makes a point to say, we don't at Unsolved Mysteries attempt to track down adult children that have severed their relationship with their family. And I yeah. thought that was a little odd. They were like, but in Selena's case, I was like, well, I guess Selena did say to her mom, don't worry if you don't hear from me in a month or two. That's not the same thing as saying like, that's not the same thing as cutting ties. That's not the same thing at all. So why right. did he, did they need to mention, you know, they're not, obviously they're not going to uh, track down people who have cut ties with family because they chose to do that. But I don't even understand why that needed to be said, because I can't count how many times now we've had a uh, amnesia situation or <laughs> whatever, you know, <laughs> It is strange that here in season six of the show, they're they're having to establish that this is a rule. Yeah, it was weird, I, I right? The the only conjecture I can come up with is maybe at this point in the show's run, they're starting to receive an increasing number of requests from people right. who are just like, you know, like you know, the <clears> son <throat> didn't want to have anything more to do with his parents because of whatever, right. and they're like, find right. my boy. And yeah. so j- they're, yes. they're, they're, find my boy. Yeah. That's, so that's the they, show that we start where we find your boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where'd your boy go? We'll find him. Yeah. We'll find him. Uh, um, he's got to have a I, Facebook account. You know, Robbie, part of, part of me thinks they make this statement because of the things they're not saying. So oh, how many yeah. do you know do you do you know what I'm like saying here because of Selena's status in that San Francisco community? Yes, lots of people went to that community and did not want anything to do with their families anymore. Yeah. And yeah, I am I, certain uh, that unsolved mysteries was approached with those cases. 
So I think that's why they're making the distinction here. This was not yeah. Selena being rejected by her family for her um, proclivities or lifestyle, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It, that wasn't the case here. They desperately wanted to find her because, and her friends want to find her, right? Her friends right. who are in that community just don't know what happened to her and she is unwell. So, right. But potentially has been taken advantage of by some, someone. Yeah. Uh, so I, with- I really feel like this segment is just kind of like, kind of we're peering in a little bit to this divide that's going on between LGBTQ folks separating from their families and those families as they do today. And they certainly did in the nineties approaching unsolved mysteries being like, we've been cut off and unsolved mysteries having to be in the position of like, well, that was their choice to do so. So we're not going to go those people down anyway. So respect to unsolved mysteries here, I guess is what I'm saying. And right. and that there's room for nuance and subtlety in the cases that they're going to take because they've done a lot of cra- <laughs> they've done a lot of crazy shit. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well we got to we got to move on. We have to move on because we spent so much time talking about maggots and, yeah, and our did. favorite albums. Uh, well, I think I think I think the next segment's pretty short, right? It's just uh, boom, uh, uh, inside yeah. job on the armored car robbery happens. 1983. I haven't been born yet. Robbie is an infant, and one mm-hmm. of the largest armed, successful armed robberies in the United States in all time history. Greatest goat, however you want to put it. It goes off like this. Victor Herrera, and I'm saying Herrera, even though it's spelled with a G-E-R-E-A-N-A, and that's why I couldn't find it on the wiki, because Robert Stack is, like, over-Hispanicizing Herrera, but it's a G, not an H, or a J. It's a G. I don't know. Spanish speakers, is that correct? Did they say it the right way? I imagine they did. I imagine there was someone who helped with that. Um, so he works at a Wells Fargo Express company, which I guess was like Brinks or whatever. It's like an armored car money picking up service. Yeah, I guess. Um, father of two engaged to be married. Okay, Victor, I'll like let it go that you did that out of order or whatever. Um, he goes to work and he asks his supervisor, hey, can I park my car inside of Bay 5? And the supervisor's like, why? And Victor's like, it's not my car, man. It's borrowed. And you know how it is outside. And the supervisor's like, yeah, I do know how it is outside. Okay, you can do it this one time. So Victor brings his car in. This is very, this is gonna be very important. Victor brings his car and he parks it inside. Um, and then the shift is going on and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, Victor goes on with his partner and they go and they get their $3 million in the armored truck um, the amount in the Wells Fargo vault back at the office at that point is $4 million. So combined that's $7 million that they have by 9 PM. Um, and so there are three people left by 9 PM in the armored car terminal. And that's Helena, his partner and their supervisor. And, um, so, 
I won't get into all the details here, but basically it's a heist. Y'all saw it coming. Because I already yeah. told you. I already told you. It was like a successful armed robbery. Harina basically. Well, well it's like, not like this is going to be uh, a lost love segment. <laughs> no, it wasn't. So, yeah. so Harina like t- t- ties up the, the guys, the two guys that are there. Right. And then he's like, I'm going to inject you with something. And then that's unsolved mysteries tells us we don't know what was in that syringe, but it didn't knock out the guards. And it was like, it was probably nothing. It was probably no. like insulin. If that, I don't know. Sugar water. The wiki is telling that oh, I'm getting this from the wiki says it was later determined to be a mixture of aspirin and water. Okay. But Victor was trying to tell him I was going to knock them out, but that's not what happened. So Hunterina Victor loads up $7 million in cash bag by bag. So that's, a, that's a lot. And I think they tell us it's like half a ton of cash, about a thousand pounds of cash. And they put it into the back of that, huge ass land yacht that he had it's a 1973 buick lesaber so that's a boat and here's what i don't get like yeah he does all the work transferring all this money he sort of has a little cart that he loads up and he mm-hmm. rolls it over to, to his car and, and throws it in but um this was before he let the accomplice in right yes so he loads everything up yeah and then in the segment at least he honks the horn and then mm-hmm. the the accomplice is there waiting, and then they go somewhere. They ditch the uh, Buick, load all the cash into a second car, and then that's it. They're gone. The accomplice didn't do shit. Well, I mean, now, he, he had to follow Victor to like the the second location. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, guess he could have just met him there. I mean, like. Like I mean, like who who was tra- they they said that you know he tra- those bags of money and there's a lot of them it was heavy like could've, yeah could've, I don't know anyway I I just had to say that I guess it's not such a big issue if this was a for profit heist I yeah, would feel a little indignant about like exactly how much con- you know what the share was going to be for the accomplice but yeah. Uh, since it's it's got an ulterior motive, uh, there I is guess. an ulterior motive because yeah. as it turns or it turns out, the reason this ends up on unsolved mysteries because this is a wanted segment. In fact, is because uh, Harena was part of a ter- quote unquote. I'm this is what unsolved mysteries said there, and I didn't even know about this Puerto Rican terrorist group called Los Macheteros. Um, <laughs> so. So for the English speakers, it's those who have the machete. And yeah, uh, yeah I guess some of that. So the money gets moved around. It goes from Mexico. Um, Herrera ends up going to Cuba and the money gets sent to Puerto Rico. And then the group Los Macheteros uses some of it to purchase a surface to air missile. <laughs> yes i guess on the dark web i don't know how they got that shit but whatever um and then in 1983 they launched the surface to air missile at the fbi headquarters in san juan puerto rico so um no one got hurt <laughs> it was and the building was dented a little bit but it was fine i guess um you know, yeah I, th- I think it was a a, a waste like against a 
aircraft that probably that would have been an incredibly nasty uh, device but it's kind of uh-huh against a concrete building not so much yeah i mean what what a what a the capabilities of a surface to air missile and the kind of target it's hitting i mean uh-huh. you know a, a plane is going to be more susceptible than as you say a concrete building <laughs> yeah i mean i can yeah. see if you're if you're lobbing it at a moving item such as an airplane it would throw it off its trajectory and probably be pretty catastrophic but you know in this case it was just kind of dumb yeah yeah and they waste listen they could have used all that money to rebuild puerto rico's power grid is all i'm saying <laughs> it, yeah it does seem like a, a, a too a soon opportunity <laughs> uh, uh, well. um I don't li- listen. I'm not going to wade into Puerto Rican feelings or politics. I can't even uh, begin to imagine what it's like to be Puerto yeah. Rican. You know what I mean? What a mm-hmm. state of affairs! What a state of affairs to be a Puerto it, Rican. It's. I mean, it's. It's certainly uh, like. Uh, and I, I think probably the most uh, ind- indignant aspect of of all of this is like. This conversation will be just as applicable a few years from now, I'm sure, as it yeah. is now. Yeah. Um, isn't yeah. that, isn't that ap- absolutely fucked? Totally. I, listen, I don't know that I support... Uh, God, I'm going to piss off the monarchists again when I say this. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, go, ahead, I don't, go ahead and say it. I don't have enough information to know how to feel about Puerto Rico. I don't. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know some people there, they, I, I know, I know that living in a colony of a larger country sucks. That yeah. sucks. Being colonized sucks. And I get it. Um, I don't know enough to argue for Puerto Rican statehood or independence. I don't, I don't have the info. I don't have the info. Um, but I know how I feel as an Irish American when people give money to Sinn Féin, uh, which is sure. Come on, so I get it. I've, I've upset I've upset the monarchists a hundred percent with that one, but that, that that's no, that's that's fine. That's fine. I um uh, uh well, I, and I again like you, I haven't followed Puerto Rican sentiment on this, but I, I I've always been under the impression that there was not necessarily a, a consensus. On any right. particular course of action, I mean, yes. some people are, yeah, statehood. Others are independence, and uh, I, well, I can't. And maybe pro- probably not so now, but others were like status quo. But uh, right, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, um, is there an update on this one? I feel like there is. They got the guy right. You know, I, um, they got a bunch of people in 1985 that were associated with uh, the robbery, but they didn't get Herena. No, um, I think the update was just that there's like a million dollar yeah, reward that's for it. the guy. That so, was an update. <laughs> so let's find him. Reward. No, because I, I feel like he, at least in his mind, was doing it for a noble cause. So, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I now personally, I I would have dropped some money in the Cayman Islands offshore accounts, get that growing with interest, so I can really help, you know, Moriqua, uh, in Puerto Rico. You know what I'm saying? Personally, that's what I would have done instead of buying a you know ground to air missile. 
to shoot at the FBI building, which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard of. But uh, yeah, that's just me. That's just how well, I, I mean, would rob yeah, a bank to help I mean, Puerto Rico. You know, well, even if the results probably weren't weren't that that great, you know, you didn't get as much bang for the buck. I mean, maybe a literal bang, but um, yeah. I mean, but but the spirit was 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 there. I mean, assuming yeah. you didn't skim skim off the top or anything, then uh, who knows? Anyway, um, do you, do you, we got one more segment that I I'm, I'm pretty sure we can get through before we hit the we- two hour mark. We're going to Louisiana. This is a, uh, a segment that takes place during the Vietnam War. I was very relieved because, you know, they, they mentioned uh, Vietnam that uh, uh-huh. Unsolved Mysteries actually avoided using any sort of like, I don't know, um, uh, uh, gong type sounds or uh, music yeah. <laughs> uh, cues or, or anything. I was they like, really wow, good for you. On- restraint. Like by by the standards of this show, an amazing amount of restraint. Um, I think maybe part of it is obviously if they had the spare money to blow, they probably would have just they would they would have bought you know uh, got gotten the rights to be able to play Fortunate Son uh, <laughs> at the beginning. But uh, and you not, said not you so don't much. know music. Come on. I, I may now. not know music, but I do know <laughs> movies about Vietnam. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so we follow uh, a guy named uh, Zoom. Am I pronouncing that soon. right? Yeah, yeah. Soon. soon. They say soon. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. Um, he he's he's sent to Louisiana. He's a South. Uh, along with some other officer, uh, South Vietnamese officers to learn to be uh, fighter pilots. Um, mm-hmm. And he, uh, you know, he's, he arrives, he doesn't really know anyone locally. And uh, a f- the this family, like, uh, takes him in. Uh, I guess the, the matriarch of the family, her son is currently sit, serving in Vietnam at this point. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when she uh, encounters uh, Soon, uh, you know, in her head, it's like, well, you know, uh, my, my boy is on the other end of the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, you know, this boy is on, the, you know, this end of the world and mm-hmm. so not necessarily the same situation, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, in a, context of being away from home and family and whatnot so she takes him uh takes him in uh naturally he falls in love with the oldest uh daughter named gwen mm-hmm. uh you know but and they uh but the the love has it gets cut short because soon soon is only going to be a training for x number of months yeah soon's got to leave soon yeah and she, Gwen is trying to get him to stay like, no, we could run off to Canada and, and whatnot. And this is where something really weird happens in this mm. segment because the reenactor uh, playing soon starts to give this speech and like unsolved mysteries voice, like um, put, dubs over it. The, uh, uh, the real life zoom talking about it, which is, I mean, mm-hmm. You know, we, we 
they they obviously in the course of the show, every episode, every segment, they have the real life people talking over stuff happening in the the reenactments. Mm. But it was just strange because like the guy playing soon, like he's like he, he just starts to give the speech. He's like, I can't because, and then <laughs> we get real life soon. Like so, I said blah blah blah. <laughs> it's like. Wow. Mm. I mean, if you're if you're the guy playing soon in the reenactment, it's kind of like you probably sat down to watch this episode and were mm. unaware they made that decision. They're like, what? Mm. That's my <laughs> like, this is the party rehearsed and wanted to get right. But anyway, so soon uh, he's, he's back in South Vietnam. He, he gets uh, some letter and some mail from Gwen uh, on occasion. And then one of them, he finds out that uh, he's actually going to be a father. Mm-hmm. And we have this, we have this delightful thing in the reenactment of like, I guess he's in the the mail room uh, for his uh, his his base, and he he gets the news and he runs out in the hallway. He's like, I'm going to be a father. I'm a father. Mm-hmm. And the the guy who's like in charge of the mail, like you know, he gives a very very care uh, very uh, typical uh, trope of the. Um, person who's just handed someone off to some, you know like and the person reacts crazily and runs off and he's like looking at him like what what's going on though i i don't know it seems strange that he would sort of this male guy would be confused uh like you think you should be able to con- easily enough figure out what happens if someone's gotten some mail and they're now screaming I, i'm a father mm-hmm. anyway as zoon returns uh comes back to uh, Louisiana to uh, visit the was it the Gautier family? Gautier. Gautier. Yeah, he comes back looking for somebody that he used to know. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah. So you know, and the 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 mother who I. Uh-huh. I would have uh, I would have expected um, you know to mm-hmm. maybe not be so warm on soon like hey yeah I, I was expecting a very and, different reaction when he comes yeah. back but she was but she's very like, <gasps> loving yeah and so yeah. happy to see him yeah yeah I mean like I mean just I you know I I, I, I see I see this reaction and, and I'm just like oh wow you know like. It's just they like, really oh, liked him. Get, yeah. And they and just they get the impression. She probably would have wanted him as a son-in-law, but just he had to go fight for his country. And that's how it be sometimes, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I, I came away, you know, from that with like, uh, you know, we'll give, we'll give four extra prestige points to the, to the, the to, the, to, to Gwen's mom to, for, yeah, yeah. for, for being, for being so, uh, just, you know, uh, anyway, but she delivers uh, some unfortunate news that Gwen had gotten married, which mm-hmm. is strange because it also mentioned this comes after like some mention of her getting divorced. She wasn't married to soon, right? Uh, what? Was she? Di- no, the the mom had gotten divorced. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So the mom like, had gotten they- divorced and lived in a different house. She lived in a mobile home now. Oh, and then th- when the daughter had gotten married and moved to Houston, does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, no. yeah, Gwen no got married. No one was married to soon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, yeah, um, Gwen got married, moved to Houston. Um, so, like, and uh, Gwen's mother actually, like, I, they, they say that, that she was uh, Soon's fiercest advocate and uh, trying to mm-hmm. ha- have him be able to spend time with his daughter. Uh, he actually does go get to go out there to visit. And, you know, mm-hmm. he spent some time time with her. She said, you know, uh, what was her name? Emmy? Em- Emily? Kimberly. Kimberly. Kimberly is the daughter's name, yeah. The thing that kind of got me in this reenactment, right? And then it's probably the thing that sort of stuck in my mind for the entire segment was uh, towards the end of the, you know, the, the period of time that he was visiting with her. He's, he's like... Um, Gwen's packing her up. The, the, they're going to go back to, to, to their house. And Soon's like, well, can it, can I just see her one more day? Cause I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm flying out tomorrow and, uh, reenact McGuinn says soon. This isn't some fairy tale. And, you know, you're, you know, you have to go back in the army and, you know, we got stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Anyway, so this the segment immediately jump. We, you know, we we do get uh, an update, and um, soon and Kimberly they get they have a nice little reunion, mm-hmm. um, and they you know they're interviewing you, wait, some people. You forgot inter- to mention the uh, reeducation camp that soon spent <laughs> seven years in back in Vietnam. After uh, ten, ten, ten years. Was it yeah. ten? Oh gosh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When Saigon I'll, I'll fell in 1974. Okay. Sorry. I didn't. I'm sorry if I jumped the gun. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, did, I guess I did sort of brush over that. So anyway, if you're not familiar, that's about why the he couldn't War. immediately get back to the United States. He was in a concentration camp. Right. Right. Yes. Um, uh, t- uh, for those of who are, aren't, aren't aware, uh, South Vietnam did not win the Vietnam War. Uh, yeah. Hey, millennials. Soon, yeah (laughs) and soon uh he ended up in a camp for about 10 years so he's not a deadbeat dad he is i think that's no 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 Mm -hmm. that's that's probably a a legitimate i'd say that's that's about as legitimate reason for not being involved in your daughter's life as as well yeah who knows sorry i was in a re-education camp under the communists like yeah i mean it's not like they have, you know, the telephone. Right, right. <laughs> they wouldn't even allow me to have a telephone. What yeah. is this, the dark ages? Mm-hmm. But so, you know, they 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 have they have a reunion. There's a little thing out. They're out in the backyard or whatever, and yeah, they're cutting mm-hmm. out cutting up a cake. I guess it's a happy family reunion cake. Or yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, and they they interview. A real life Gwen, you know, mm. in the present day, mm. and she's talking about how 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 happy it is that they got to 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 be reunited, and then she says it's just like a fairy tale. Wow. And when she said that, I yelled at the screen, but you said it isn't. You said it isn't a fairy tale, Gwen. I mean, granted, yeah. it's the reenact reenactment Gwen who said it. Uh, I I I wonder if like, yeah, I I don't know. It's like well obviously irl gwen watched the segment segment. after it aired (laughs) and was like oh my god because she you know because they got contacted 
because soon soon uh, ends up immigrating to the United States permanently. Um, yeah. In in the late eighties, so he uh, has been looking for his daughter. But anyway, so Gwen obviously went and watched the segment that had aired, and then Gwen saw her the person reenacting her say it's not a fairy tale. So she had to answer the call. She had to say it is a fairy tale. I feel like that is she like had to close the loop. What, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Like that, that is exactly what, if I was in her situation and I saw a, a, a not super flattering portrayal of me in, in right. a reenactment on Unsolved Mysteries, and then like the mystery gets solved and there's going to be a reunion, and I find out that the mis- Unsolved Mysteries crew is going to be like uh, doing a little uh, bit interviewing me. That's totally in my mind. I'd be like, all right, mm. here's my opportunity. Yeah. I, I'm going yeah. to like totally negate that they that way they portrayed me. I'm gonna mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I want I was I'm wondering like what Kimberly we're running so long right now. Oh my god. Um <laughs> I wonder what Kimberly's experience though ostensibly her family is white. Mm-hmm. But she's half white. I mean she's very clear, yeah. clearly Vietnamese looking. Um, I wonder, like, what her life was like growing yeah. up in Louisiana in that situation. Like, there, there is a it, in Houston and in Louisiana, there are really large Vietnamese communities, but hmm. she was raised in, in a white family. So I'm kind of like wondering, like, yeah. whoa, that must have been an experience, right? Like, yeah, that probably to be the only one like you in your family. Right. No, uh, for sure. I, uh, I mean, it, cause yeah, I guess it, it would have been a different context if, you know, if soon hadn't had to leave, leave mm-hmm. and him and Gwen could have been together. It, yeah. Um, well, who's to say yeah. that would even have worked out though. Speaking of workout, we got to work out a way to exit this episode. <laughs> here no 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 problem no problem all right okay uh go to patreon we got a five dollar tier if you uh want to occasionally get some maybe some stuff in the mail we sometimes drop a reward episode or one dollar tier just because to show us how much you love us yeah, um, patreon.com reenacted slash reenacted pod um robbie said robbie did you re-up on some stuff are you going to send people things? That's what I heard. That was like a rumor that I heard. Oh, yeah. I guess I did actually directly mention that <laughs> in a text to you. I was I was actually. <laughs> or should I not have said that? Should we not be committing to sending people things? Yeah, no, no, it's fine. I just. Um, uh, no, you, you actually caught me by surprise because you would think that me having made that purchase sent you a text about it uh mm-hmm. wouldn't would not would not result in me after you saying that sitting here like what the hell is she talking about mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that is weird uh robbie if people want to uh, get in touch with us how can they do that uh send us an email reenacted pod 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 at yeah gmail.com yes yeah uh do do swing by twitter reena- at reenacted 
Facebook, search for reenacted podcast fans. Yeah. Uh, you should, you should get something there. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, be sure to give us five stars on any and all, uh, podcasts, yeah. downloading hey, media places. Do us a fave, get on your significant other or your parents' phone and open their podcatcher and just subscribe. They don't ever yes. have to listen to us, but everything matters. Okay. Um, Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Yes. For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you. Join me next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. 